Alright guys, uh, welcome to the debut episode of the Political Adventurers Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. I'm here with my boy, Kelvin. Uh, he graciously accepted my invitation to come on this. Um, so why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself. I'll be sure to plug you, obviously, down below. So just tell the people a little bit about yourself, bro. Uh, yeah, um, my name's Kelvin, and uh, I go to Baruch. I'm, cut I'm currently studying um, financial mathematics, but probably going to transfer out because it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's about it. Dope. All right. Yeah. So uh, the, the whole point, you know, the reason why I got Kelvin to or I asked Kelvin first is because, you know, political ideologically speaking, we're not exactly on the same exact plane. You know what I mean? He's a little more progressive than I am. And we disagree on a few things fundamentally. And obviously, again, he's not going into politics. The whole point of this podcast and the reason why I started it is really to just connect people across different political ideologies and find middle ground and encourage, again, like I said in my Instagram intro, this thought-provoking conversation that we really need in these terrible times that we live in. So that's really it. Um, I'm really appealing to a more intellectual base. You know, I'm not really appealing to you know, crazy partisans or crazy radicals. I'm really appealing to people who will hear out the other side, and that's the whole point of this podcast. So, again, thank you for coming on. All right, uh, the first issue we're going to go over is the presidential debate, and I have a few thoughts on that, but I'm going to let you give your take first, so go for it. What do you think? Well, honestly, like, that presidential debate has probably got to be one of the biggest jokes of all time. Like, mm -hmm. it's literally just two babies just going back and forth, like, bickering and stuff. It just got too personal, you know. They didn't like maintain professionalism or like represent themselves really well. Like even in the vice presidential debate, like they they represented them better than themselves. Like it was just crazy to just watch that and like see like these two people are running for a country right now. Way better, and definitely it doesn't matter really what side of the of the party you're on. There was a a pretty like agreed um, sentiment that this debate was kind of a shit show. So, um, yeah. you know, it was it was Trump interrupting and Biden interrupting and things like that. So, you know, I definitely don't think it was something that the country needed at a time. And we're going to go, uh, obviously, we're going to go later into the vice presidential debate and talk more about the benefits of that. But um, overall, yeah, go on. Sorry, you're saying something. No, I wasn't saying So, yeah, so we're going to go into that later. And, um, yeah, so I don't, I really, I honestly, my honest opinion about it is that I really think that should have been the presidential debate, you know, the vice president debate. I think yeah. at this time, you know, obviously Trump has, you know, a somewhat questionable response to the virus. You know, people are, you know, attacking his administration for social issues like law enforcement and uh, his health care issues like covering people with pre-existing conditions. I feel like he could have maybe addressed those concerns in a more calm tone instead of trying to bring up all of Biden's past, you know, possible corruption schemes, which Biden definitely does have some form of corruption scheme, but I don't think that should have been the focus of the debate. So that's just honestly my take on it. Yeah, you can go ahead if you got something to say on that. Well, yeah, um, I just wanted to bring up um, Donald Trump recently had tested positive for COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, talking about how he's like to put it into modern terms he was like yo i'm built different bro like uh, that that virus is light work bro like and he was like talking as if like a seven he's like 70 year old years old right like, mm -hmm. it's pretty old he's so, like, like 74 him, 75 yeah 
Yeah, yeah. For him to be tweeting that, like, oh, it was light work. Like, that's not that's not safe. It wasn't that. smart. Yeah. And the thing is that, yeah, yeah, Biden tested negative. And Biden, you know, Trump always talked about, he always touted Biden's use of the mask. And I'm pretty sure Tommy Lauren tweeted out, you know, you should get a purse to go with that mask. So as someone who values, you know, the rights of the people, someone who totally respects everyone's right to expression and attire and things like that, it's just, it's not smart at this current time. The whole point that, the whole reason that I wear a mask when I go out in public, the whole reason that I don't, try, or I try to social distance, I try not to stay away from these big crowds is so I can have the liberty later. A huge aspect of maturity is at times, and obviously this is up for interpretation, but at times giving up some of your liberties in order for the greater good to prevail, you know? So exactly. that's just an interesting point. Yeah. So um, I definitely don't agree with Trump handling himself with the virus. I don't agree with him trying to make. See, here's what he did, and this is my honest thought. He kind of made the the virus more of a political statement instead of a health statement. You know what I mean? Exactly. Biden yeah, was more. Cons- yeah. Go on. You, right, you got it. You got it. You got it, bro. Saying like um, the quarantine lockdown back in March, like people were taking that way too personally. Like, like. It's like that lockdown was meant for the safety of the people, and, but like people are like, oh, you're infringing on our rights, or like, oh, they they just want to cover some stuff up or something. I don't even know. And they like went to like in um I think it was Michigan. I'm I'm not sure, but in Michigan they raided the Capitol building and like stood outside with no mask and they were holding guns and signs. And they're like, oh, we deserve our rights, or like this lockdown is, like is infringing our rights. And like I can't breathe through the mask or something. Or like, that was so stupid. I, mm-hmm. I just really, I couldn't believe that like, this is our country. Yep. I again, you know, we have <clears throat> the values of this country were obviously built on liberty from a foreign domain and democracy and things like that. You know, but there are provisions in the Constitution that you know inherently give Congress and the legislative body, executive branch, the right to seize power in certain times. You know. And that has to be respected. Someone, again, I cherish liberty. I love having the rights in this country that in some other countries are repeatedly stampeded on. But you have to, it's an aspect of maturity, you know? Those protests, they were nonviolent, you know? They, you know, while they weren't directly creating huge amounts of violence, like, you know, some examples of looting that we have seen, I still think it was an unnecessary protest. I think it, you know, kind of distracted from the issue that, yes, this is a health issue. And again, you know, what we have to consider is that people of, you know, higher ages, for example, are more prone and and pre-existing conditions are obviously more prone to that. So distracting from that necessity to protect that group of people for a more political mean is a little bit, you know, wrong morally, in my opinion. So that's all I'm going to leave with that. So... With that in mind, obviously, with the differing viewpoints we've seen in the presidential debate and, you know, with the clear just lack of decency on maybe more on Trump's side, but on both sides, it was definitely present. How do you think this, you know, like equates to how important or how needed the partisan system is? You know, there's been a little bit of talk about disbanding the two party system, and I'm just wondering what your general thoughts on that are. Honestly, I know when George Washington, like, first created this country, he didn't intend on seeing a two-party system. And, like, we we all see, like, different parties, like, independents or, like, 
I don't even know any others. But like, I just know there are like other third parties that you can vote for. But like, people always vote, like tend to vote for Democrats or Republicans because we all know if you like vote for that third party, like it's not going to count because mm-hmm. nobody votes. For it. So like, um, two party system just creates more more pressure to like vote for those types of people, and like you feel like you have no choice. But on the other hand, like I would never see America not having a two party system because like that's how it's always been. Mm-hmm. And like if we notice one thing in America, it's that people hate change. Like yeah. hate to see change and like they just don't understand and like like they're just not su- su- what's the word Success- susceptible to change. Susceptible. Yeah, no, that's a totally that's a very strong point. A lot of people have very core American values, you know? And I feel that you know, there's multiple reasons why the two-party system is going to be very hard to dislodge. There are obviously corruption reasons. Having this, having like you know, one speaker having one representative for this big tent of ideas, and that's another point I'm going to get to. The big tent that the Democrat Party has become, I feel like, is doing a disservice to the representation of certain ideological groups. You have, for example, and I'm just going to cite the the VP debate here. You have Kamala Harris directly stating that she nor Joe Biden will infringe upon fracking. And this directly led to a tweet sent out by AOC that said that, yeah, fracking is bad. So you have to understand that this big tent, this coalition of ideas that the party has become kind of tramples on democracy to a certain aspect. Because, you know, if you have one person, namely Joe Biden, calling the shots and attempting to represent the whole party, Instead, only representing really his own agenda and the the agenda of the people that fund, you know, obviously certain corrupt money links and things like that. Um, it really is a form of misrepresentation, and that's why I think, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, go on, go on. No, 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 I was just adding on. Yeah, so that's why I'm totally against the two-party system on both sides. You know, you have conservatives who, if you look at like a political spectrum, they're more authoritarian, right? They're more traditionalist. And then you have capitalists that fundamentally disagree with that, that aren't, you know, so prone to this traditionalism and this maintaining the old roots. And then you have on the Democrats, you have environmentalists, progressives, more, uh, you know, top left, more, you know, socialists leaning towards communist ideologies. So it's very hard. And I think it's almost basically impossible to nail down a group of ideologies in a party. Let me know your thoughts on that. I 100% agree. Like... Honestly, we all know the corruption that goes on in our government, and we all know nobody's going to admit it. And, like, Biden, if... Okay, so let's say there wasn't a two-party system, right? Well, let's say we tried to get rid of it. Like, nobody nobody would, like, give out money to Biden for to run his campaigns and stuff. Like, everything that you see is always agenda-based. Like, Biden, if he didn't agree with the democrats like if he didn't follow every single thing the democrats would have wanted or like if trump didn't follow everything republicans wanted they would have never made it this far and like that's just how i see it like if there there's no money like if there's no money involved like you're never gonna get anywhere in that that's why i feel like two-party system is corrupt but on the other hand like how are we gonna get rid of it like that's how it's always yeah exactly no to, to add to your point uh, a senator came to our high school, if you remember, a couple of years ago, and described the um, great importance that we need to develop, you know, um, ranked ballots, where instead of, you know, voting one party or another, or one candidate over the other, 
we instead list our voting options or list our choices per preferences and the stipulations were like if you know the candidate or if a specific candidate doesn't win over the majority then it leads into a runoff vote and it you know more accurately depicts the you know it, it more accurately gives people or voters you know the average voter a chance to you know truly see himself represented in the government you know but the you know my fundamental reasoning as to why that will never or take very long for that to happen is basically what you said there's a great deal of corruption there's a great deal of money if you look at the you know if you compare the the republican and democrat parties you know the funding behind it the pacs you know for trump and hillary's statistics i looked at they're very comparable to each other, but if you look at like the Green Party or the Libertarian Party that were third-party candidates, they received incredibly small and basically negligible percentages of that in terms of funding. So, you know, it's, it's going to be incredibly hard to dislodge. So I definitely agree with that point of view. Uh, yeah, so the thing is with... Um, the thing is with the third party, though, another issue is that obviously... Oh, here, no, I'm sorry. What I, went, what I was going to transition into is what I actually learned about in Intro to World Politics, which is the selectorate theory. I don't know if you, you probably haven't heard of it because you're not going into that field, so it's a stupid thing to bring up. But basically what it is is, you know, when a leader takes or when a leader assumes power of some way, assume it's the president of the United States, there's various circles of influence. There's the population of everyone in the United States, which is obviously just everyone who lives in it. There's the selectorate, the selected people. That would be whoever has the power to choose their leader. That would be the voters, people who were registered to vote. And then there's the winner's circle. And the winner's circle is the group of people that the current head of state, the leader, the president, funnels the private goods down to. And when you have a candidate like Biden, who is running this Big Ten coalition, I think it's entirely possible that he builds the support early on by appealing to the various ideological groups that we're discussing. But when you become a leader, you can't possibly, you know, enact programs that, you know, appeal to all of these ideologies. You can't ban fracking and still maintain your moderate Democrat base. You know what I mean? There's conflicts going on. That's why, according to political scientists, a strong leader has a very small winner's circle. So that's why, if we look at this election, for example, it's entirely possible that Biden could win. He's leading in certain states. But the question that we should be asking is, can he hold power efficiently? Is he going to turn into a puppet, hypothetically, of some different ideology, of some different money man of someone that's going to try to shape the u.s into something that benefits him and his constituents let me know what you think about that i honestly think he is a puppet like i don't know that's just the vibes i'm getting whenever i watch him sure and like he just like donald trump like brought up some contrasting ideas in their debate like they were just arguing back and forth and like every time biden would bring up something donald trump would bring up something that biden has said in the past that he has went against and like i that that just like kind of reviews point that like biden is a puppet like he'll change some of his ideologies to like please these democrats and receive that support in order to become what he needs to be or what he wants to be mm -hmm. totally that's why i feel like once he's in power like he's just going to be a big puppet yep. so is trump i feel like trump is also a puppet like 
honestly. Same case. I mean, yeah, Trump definitely needs to have a Republican Senate majority if he wants to, you know, um, maintain a, a, you know appointments to the court, which we're seeing again recently. So he definitely has to appeal to this capitalist conservative mindset. So, you know, he could also be puppet. So I think overall in our, you know, be all to end all conclusion, partisan politics doesn't help American people at all. It helps the interests of only specific groups. And that's something that you'll see on both sides, you know? So let's assume that the two-party system stays into fruition. You know, they continue their ways. Not really much has changed, which is likely going to be the case. Um, let's talk about specific policies now. You know, let's talk about law enforcement specifically. You know, um, propositions to make law enforcement-specific communities, you know, be more in touch with the community has definitely risen, you know, that sentiment that the police need to stop infringing upon their people. You know, you have George Floyd, you have Ahmed Arbery, you have Breonna Taylor. Those cases have spiked, you know, general distrust in our law enforcement. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. So, I actually have a lot to say about this. Excellent. Which I'm glad you brought up. Okay, so, firstly, I just want to bring out very radical part okay so you know when george floyd he first died a lot of people were like oh all lives matter or like defund the police those are the two most radical ideas i've seen because <laughs> let's say you're saying all lives matter or blue lives matter right george floyd he was innocent brianna taylor innocent ahmed arbery innocent and it just it just like bothers me that people don't look into things they just see like a headline and they'll like immediately believe it and like they don't read into it or like like make their own thoughts about it they just read somebody else's thoughts about it and like assume their facts and on the other hand people are saying oh defund the police because police obviously they've taken it too far there's been countless like police brutality incidents and like people are saying oh the police don't make me feel safe or like oh we don't need the police we just like defund them what are we paying our taxes for and I, I think it's just like so stupid because we obviously need the police and the solution to things is never like one side or the other it's always in between like you got to find a balance between both sides in order to like slowly make a better and safer environment especially for black lives and in my opinion I was watching the presidential debate and like honestly never thought about this Joe Biden brought up the idea of like mental health and like bringing psychiatrists into the field with police to make sure that you know things like this don't happen because I feel like I feel like some people always misjudge because there's not there's never like any pure evil person in this world you know you can be racist like you can hate somebody so much or like you just want to you know these cops are trained like i know deep down these cops are like terrified for their lives due to like racist underlying ideas or like you know and i feel like it's just fear it's not like oh i want to kill this guy because he's black or like oh he's looking at me weird let me just kill him so i feel better it's it's not that like people are taking it like that and i just think these cops are just so scared and like they just it's just a paranoia that like they're not going to come home to their families that day mm -hmm. that's why they like end up like acting very irrationally and taking these lives so i feel like mental health is like a big part like you should bring in psychiatrists and like 
teach them that you should not you know be afraid of in these certain situations because cops cops should be trained to be in these types of situations you know and like you like the worst thing you can ever do is act irrationally and the other day what was his name um he just got released the george floyd killer i forgot Derek Shaw, yeah 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 he he got released on a million dollar bond mm-hmm. and like ah that was crazy as hell to me like yeah that's not it, it shows how the law enforcement system is tied to the judicial system and the levels of, cor- of corruption you know i, I just want to i think that you know that argument you just provided i agree with it wholeheartedly i wanted to reinforce you know some things when you have blue lives matter and you have all lives matter it's obvious it's inherent that all lives matter it's an inherent quality i saw a quote on twitter or something or some form of social media that says when you see dolphins dying in the sea you don't say all marine life matters you would focus on preserving the life of the dolphin you know so i think it's totally respectable as someone that doesn't agree with defunding the police someone that doesn't agree with antifa's looting and things like that I think it's totally respectable to pay attention and to look for a solution in that area. I don't think it's defunding the police. I believe it's actually increasing funding the police as, you know, it's a little controversial to say that, but I think we do need to, you know, we have to pay for these psychiatrists. We have to pay for these mental health programs. Not everything requires a gun. And I think what you said was about um, all police officers not being evil is definitely something I, I can definitely agree with. You know, um, it's not that, you know, someone has a desire to go out and kill a minority. You know, there it could, you know, and then again, it could possibly be that they're demented, you know, but that's a very slim minority, I feel. You know what I mean? So I feel like, again, if we increase the funding to these clearly underdeveloped law enforcement areas, I think that we can maybe treat the law enforcement issue as more of a relation between the a relationship between the community and the law enforcement an inspiration to why I started this podcast, his name is Daryl Davis. We definitely saw clips of him in high school. He's a, yes, uh, yeah, he was an incredibly respectful person. Um, he was He's a musician. Obviously, he has gigs. He travels around. Um, but he had another side job. And at the time, I'm just going to tell this story very briefly. Um, he was um, an interviewer. He liked to interview figures and he was very interested at a young age because of a an incident where people were throwing stones at him when he was carrying the american flag while walking for the boy scouts at a very early age he was fascinated with the question of why do people why do racist people think like this you know so what he did long story short he set up an interview as a black man mind you which is crazy to me you know with roger kelly who was an elite member of the clan at the time Obviously, Kelly brought his garden, you know, he had a gun there, so Davis, a little bit throughout the interview, was fearing for his life. Over time, and through discussions, and through talking, and through listening to the other side, and respecting someone else's values, even when the the clan members thought that Davis, and obviously Roger Kelly as well, thought that Davis was below them as a human, just for the color of his skin, he still gave the time to listen to them and still and they still gave the time to listen to him and that's why he convinced tens of hundreds of people to leave the clan i think that mindset is so needed in american politics right now that daryl davis mentality of just talking of instead of you know charging one side blue lives matter which of course cop police lives matter and black lives matter which of course 
black lives do matter. I think it's important that we have more civil discussions and less looting and less fighting. I think that's what's best for the country. So I totally agree with that point that you just made. So we're just going to transition on to a new segment, which would be virus uh, responses. We've looked at these protests. We've looked at the Trump rallies. You know, it seems that there's like a disproportionate uh, case count or like obviously it's far different in the Trump rallies as opposed to the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests that we've seen. And one seems to have less COVID, seems to have less COVID cases, and one seems to have an influx of them. So before we transition more into the virus, I want to know your thoughts on, on that. Is there like maybe a practice that's being committed on one side? What are your thoughts on that? I just totally blanked out. You're good. Like, can you read the question? Yeah, so, um, basically, all I'm saying is, with when you have these two sides, when you have, like, Trump rallies versus Black Lives Matter protests, and obviously this is going to, you know, segue into the uh, virus response discussion I'm, we're going to continue into, there's obviously, like, there's been a lot of news reports of Trump rallies getting, you know, increased way, you know, way more cases than Black Lives Matter protests, I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that are. Is it like a political game, or is there you think something? Oh, go on. Oh, okay, got it. Um, that should not be political. Like, just wear a mask, social distance. Like, I saw at the Trump rallies, like all the seats were like right next to each other. Like, I feel like you should have just like left some space in between, like mm -hmm. to respect social distance orders and like practice what you preach. You know, because we all know in the White House they don't practice social distancing which they brought up yesterday in the presidential debate yep and it's just it's just hypocritical for you to say that like oh we got the corona cases under control or like you don't gotta worry we're gonna maintain this pandemic as trump said through twitter mm -hmm. and like <clears throat> i feel like if you're gonna say that like just please like respect those orders and like for the black lives matter protests uh, I, I know, like, that can be such an outrage and, like, there's so many people, it's just out of control. It's not like there's one guy in charge or, like, there's, like, a main event. It's just, like, marching through some streets and, like, showing that, like, you're there for your cause to show the world that, like, this needs to have more light on it and, like, people should be paying attention to this more. And, like, I just feel like both sides, like, it doesn't matter if you're, like, supporting this, supporting that. You should support social distancing so like people everybody stay safe like nobody gets sick from any stupid interactions and yeah that's to all i think totally that's a totally excellent answer i was gonna you know to add on it's it's again it's what we talked about before that the viruses should absolutely not be a political gain it should not be a political reason it should be a health discussion whether you're at a trump rally or not and trump started wearing masks he didn't like only entire you know, go through the whole thing not wearing masks, and he did make fun of Biden, obviously, but he started to wear a mask. There was, you know, a speech that he held where he did wear a mask coming in. So, you know, this concept that we see of, you know, rules for thee but not for me is, is incredibly interesting. It goes back to our partisan debate. You know, do they really have the interests of the people in mind? Are they really going to act and represent the people entirely? And another similar case that you're talking about is when Nancy Pelosi went into a salon uh, when businesses were supposed to be closed. This was in the more early phases of the uh, COVID plans for various states. 
And um, obviously, you know, this brings up again, rules for thee, but not for me. She was going to get her hair done when businesses were not supposed to be operating. So it shows you that, you know, again, as far as virus, dealing with the virus is concerned, um, you know, it's, it's become way too much of a political issue. Now, just kind of more of a specific question on the response to it. How do you think, whoever's the sitting leader, whoever, you know, what parties in the Senate, whatever, how do you think we can more accurately assess and control the virus? Like specific things like, you know, uh, focus allocating spending here, here and here. Just general thoughts that you have. How would we be able to contain this more efficiently? What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I think I think they've been doing everything fine. Just too late because mm -hmm. the first case was like back in January 20 something. And like they never talked about it. And like it was just like very secretive and like trump didn't want to like obviously when there's like a pen like a big threat in your country you're not going to want to tell the people right because you don't want to like spread fear or like cause any like disruptions but like with a health order like that like how contagious corona is i feel like they should have just like informed the public a lot earlier and try to get resources out as soon as possible rather than just like waiting two months because they waited two months waited two months before they mm -hmm. officially like shut down like like ordered lockdown orders and stuff and like i feel like they should have just done that earlier just to, like get as much information out there as possible and like decrease the amount of potential deaths that could happen and now look at us we in total i think one million died worldwide like recently and in america two hundred thousand people died yeah you don't need I to know like, like the statistics like uh, it's not we're not an information source so yeah it's it's clearly yeah, oh, just, yeah go on yeah I'm, I'm just saying like we could have prevented like a lot out yeah. of that 200,000 if we started back in January as opposed to March, you know? Undoubtedly. And, you know, continuing on this topic, how do you think Cuomo, obviously this is an example more relevant to us as, you know, people that live in New York, how do you think, well, how would you assess Cuomo's job of handling the virus? I know he's writing a book on it. He champions his actions. What do you personally think? Because I'll give my thoughts on that after. What do you personally think on how he uh directed the state through the virus i feel like he did a great job i mean ordering social distancing and like slowly opening things up and obviously we all know like once you open it up you're gonna see a surge of cases again but i feel like other than that he's doing a great job i feel like pretty soon he's gonna start closing uh restaurants down i i know indoor dining was supposed to open back up in the city mm -hmm. but like i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon due to the surge yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree with... Oh, yeah, go on, go on, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying it's, like, a, a normal reaction. I know some people would be like, oh, oh, if if you think he's doing a great job, then why are the cases still going up? I feel like it's just a normal thing to happen if you reopen um, New York, you know, but, yeah. Yeah, so I totally agree with what you're saying. I think he did a great job. And, again, I'm saying this as someone who values liberties. I didn't like being stuck in my home for a lot. I didn't like not getting to go out and eat with friends you know but i have to under again the aspect of maturity is withholding liberties until more stable times arise and you you look at this this is kind of a little bit of a parallel you know to look at the great depression fdr's new deal is an example of keynesian theory of keynesian economics and this is a little bit of an example of keynesian theory in that the government needs to withhold and execute more power in times of need and recession, which COVID has definitely caused a, an economic recession, 
um, the government needs to have more power in that. And I think Cuomo recognized that, obviously going against by uh, going against his default of giving New Yorkers the privileges that we have, you know, freedom to go out and do things and excellent, you know, beautiful sites to travel to. You know, it's 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 that same thing with the New Deal. The FDR was controlling more where the money went in terms of the government increased taxes a good amount, but it was for a greater good. Cuomo closed things down, increased taxes a little bit, but it was for a greater good. You think of stimulus checks, you know? This whole idea of capitalism, I think, and this is going to talk about more of an economic viewpoint, this whole idea of capitalism and free economy and a free mindset, but checked by certain um, theories and certain practices of the government that need to be... Um, <clears throat> need to be upheld for the good of the country is i think the best way to maintain a good equilibrium of liberty versus totalitarianism you know what i mean so i think this is an excellent parallel i know a few people were complaining about the gyms and notably my roommate adrian was <laughs> complaining a lot about the gym so i'm just yeah, well, just about that too <laughs> yeah so the gyms were a little bit because gyms are a public health kind of um, facet if you will so that's definitely something that he could be maybe a little bit criticized on. And I think maybe one other thing I would criticize Cuomo on, but then again, you have to consider like leaders like FDR weren't perfect. You know, he interned, you know, thousands of Japanese citizens at the risk of espionage and, you know, spy work and things like that. So these leaders aren't perfect. But one thing that it is important to note is that Cuomo did uh, move uh, patients with the disease or with the virus to hospitals where there were already elderly people staying so that's again something that because you have to like conserve space and conserve resources but that is something that he did so that could be seen as uh an objection to his actions yeah. okay so yeah. being that we're on the subject of the virus and being that we're on the subject of government power and representation i want to shift this more to a discussion of media because that's what i'm i've been passionately talking about for the past few weeks with close friends and things like that I'm just I'm curious on your thoughts as to how the media has represented both sides. Is there a skew here? What do you think is the case? Just general thoughts on that issue. I I don't think I'd be the best to like talk about what who skews what or like but like I just feel like it's just the media creates like so many like they they just like spread out so much false information. They mm -hmm. just want people. It's like clickbait on YouTube, you know. Exactly. Like if you're gonna upload a video and you're gonna be like, oh, um, how to cook an egg, like, you're not gonna get that many views. But if you're like, oh my God, I opened an egg and it was already raw, or like it caused a bowl or something, like obviously people are gonna click on it. So I'm just saying, like, not that extreme, but like I'm saying, the media will exaggerate things here and there in order to like get the attention of the people and like create more like income i i, I guess like yes. just trying to like exactly get more money go on go on that's like, they just want more readers and it's not like to inform the people it's more of their own selfish needs exactly i wanted to build on that point because the whole point of media and as we've you know we've gone through technology we've gone a hell of a fucking way from the printing press so you know, it's, it's just another, as technology improves, it's another way to possibly find loopholes and things like that, which is a little bit of a disadvantage of modernization. People are going to think I'm a Ted Kaczynski fan now, but whatever. Um, so I think, 
the media's role as an inf as an informational source has been just absolutely destroyed in America. I think you have CNN, you have Fox, you have MSNBC, you have ABC, you have Breitbart News, you have oh god the Dredge Report, you have so many things that are skewing information that it makes you beg the question of what truly can we trust? And if we look at these companies, it's a failure of capitalism. I love capitalism. I'm such a proponent of free market, uh, free market economics. I love it. I don't like to be taxed. I don't like to be tariffed. But the issue with this fundamental theory of capitalism is that when you have such powerful media corporations dictating the huge flow of, in, of inform, yeah, information to the American public, they're going to start, they start warping the information for their own needs. That's an inherently capitalist thing, is that when, when they start taking an unbiased thing, for example, say like drinking water, when they brand it as a consumer product and sell it off, which I personally agree with, that's a debatable topic, but information is something that should be unbiased and accessible to all Americans, uh, you know, in obviously a perfect world. But because of CNN and Fox and these other more sub companies. These are the two main examples I could think of. You know, information. There will always be this huge polarization. I think we have huge fights between Black Lives Matter supporters and Blue Lives Matter supporters, and you know, Hillary and Biden supporters versus Trump supporters. I think it's entirely because of the media. I think it's entirely because of the opinions that they publish. And I'm trying to. And I, I. This is the only really more absolutist, more authoritarian measure that I have personally in a political sense is that I, I do not think that these companies should be should be allowed to financially thrive when they are deliberately manipulating the American people and dividing them. I think polarization is not good for this country. In some aspects, of course it is. You know, there have to be differences in class and things like that. But I think it's terrible what information sources have become in this country. And that's a major point that I want to bring up. Uh, because I'm sick of seeing CNN post opinions about Trump that are clearly, you know, him not uh, condemning the white supremacists, which there are videos of him clearly, you know, condemning them, even though he didn't do it in the best of language at the debate. And then you have Fox News, you know, uh, displaying Biden as this Oompa Loompa, like dementia riddled character when in the debate he was very, you know, cool, calm and collected. And you have this thing where, you know, it's the straw man's logical fallacy. And that's the last point I'm going to bring up before we transition to the vice presidential debates. Um, the straw man's fallacy is where you make believe that you are representing the other case. But in actuality, you're not really accurately, you know, addressing the claims of the other side. You have, for example, CNN that might bring a crazy conservative that, you know, believes that we should all be, you know, hailing Trump as our God, you know, and then you have Fox News that brings on a communist. So it, it's really telling that they, quote unquote, show the other side when it's just, again, a political mean. So just basic thoughts on that, on what I just said. Completely agree. Like media, media's objective is always to polarize people, cause like big debates, like spark attention and like controversy. That's just like disgusting to me and that's why i avoid it and like i just i always like look for information and not like opinions or like anyone else's opinions because you should be able to formulate your own opinions and that's how you'll truly like understand what is going on in the country mm -hmm. and like if you read fox or cnn 
like it's just like you'll never completely get the true side of the story like there's always more to what you say or like more than what meets the eye you know and like fox and cnn they're always like like add these layers to make it co- seem complicated but it's really not it's it's a simple answer mm-hmm. and like they're just making things that aren't really that complicated and turning it or things that are complicated and turning it even more complicated in order to like make people mad and like turn against each other and that's why you see a two-party system america's split in half and you, you, you literally have no other choice it's either democrat or republican exactly. and if you vote in between like the other side's gonna win like, mm-hmm. that's all it is exactly that's things that we went over in ap gov in senior year of high school you know this idea that you know what does our vote really matter and it's you know again what the senator touched on so an excellent point there i want to transition to our final segment of this debate uh or of this discussion or whatever you want to call this um is the vice presidential debates i know you had some time yesterday to kind of rewatch it and give your take on it so i wanted to hear what your thoughts were on pence's stance and harris's stance and their demeanor and how it compared to the presidential debate so your just your general thoughts on that well i know you said you mainly agree with um pence on like all the points except the abortion part except like, abortion arguably you know COVID i feel like response. harris Go yeah, yeah but i feel like harris really brings that perspective that america needs you know and i I'm very questionable about the climate change part where they wanted to like increase taxes to like restart that um what was that called the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. no not the Affordable you mean the Green like, New um, Deal yeah Green New Deal like they were gonna spend millions of dollars on it I don't think that's a smart idea right now but like but like Pence was right about that like he said America's carbon emissions are a lot lower they've decreased about 12% in the past two decades i believe and like i think we're doing a great job so far i don't think it's really necessary to like start doing that but obviously we got to start like enforcing like forest fire prevention and like just stupid things like the the reason why there was a forest fire in the first place was the lack of um what do you call it regulation of like we feel, i feel like we should just have like more park rangers for like stupid people that decide to have like big gender reveals or like it's just so stupid and like nobody has caught them right like have you heard of like anybody like getting arrested or like paying their like consequences for setting that fire in, in california nope. no right haven't heard anything exactly about it. exactly that's why we need more we need more um park rangers and like make sure nobody's doing anything stupid that can harm the environment and then there's also there's also another thing that really caught my eye yes the um affordable care act where um harris brought up a really good point that trump wanted to get rid of it to like he didn't want to cover cover like insurance for any pre-existing conditions because harris said that like in the future when corona and all that you know when people still have corona in the future like pre-existing conditions they're not going to cover that for you because like if you have like if you were originally if you originally already had it and like and you go to a hospital and you like try to get get it taken care of you're, you're gonna get like charged hella money and like i th- i feel like i'm gonna side with harris on that part too and abortion uh definitely harris gets my point on that but honestly i feel like uh, i agreed more with harris and pence because pence 
he's kind of acting childish if you like watching him clearly because Harris like she maintained a pretty like professional figure she was never like interrupting anybody Pence on the other hand was like always like going back like when they would move on to the next topic right he'll be like okay but let's go back to the other topic and he'll basically give himself more time to talk about that topic which I feel like that was just unfair for Harris and yeah that's that's all I had to say. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. And court packing. They brought up court packing mm-hmm. because, you know, rest in peace, RGB. Of course. Um, but got a new conservative and religious uh, Supreme Justice mm-hmm. that's about to... I feel like... What do you think about it? Because they were talking about how, like, Harris was like, oh, you should, you should wait till after the presidential election to put him in the Supreme Court or, like... And then uh, Pence was like, oh, you're just going to court pack. Like, why Why do you want that to happen? Like, you just want more people to side with you. And what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that? So I like you kind of switching it over to me now. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Supreme Court's definitely something I'm very fascinated in. You know, I, the appointments, you know, they last a lifetime. So the decisions that they make go obviously way beyond the president. As far as the issue that you provide, you know, um, should the uh, Justice Amy Cohen Barrett um, be nominated to the Supreme Court, um, I think it's really a question of the fundamentals of our democracy and our Constitution. The Senate is now controlled by Republicans, and unfortunately it's a check on the president of the power that all of the appointments of the president must go through the Senate. So that is a, a form of a check and balance. So as of right now, because the Republican Party controls the Senate, and because it's in the Constitution that's a necessary check on the president's power, that they do have the right to nominate the justice, even though it's, again, a political tactic, and we'll see this again with the partisan system that the Republican Party is trying to get their influence, and the Democrat Party is trying to get their influence, um, but I think that they do have the, they should have the ability to nominate that justice, even though that will create a huge uh, tilt in the conservative uh, Republican favor. As for court packing, that was a program that actually FDR wanted to start up, which was, you know, because he felt that he would receive a lot of gridlock and a lot of um, delay for his more socialist, I want to say that, I don't mean to say that in a more demeaning tone, but they were socialist, uh, New Deal programs that, you know, would be objected by more capitalist, you know, legislators that came in since the... Um, since the Hoover and the Coolidge period, you know, that we're still liking that period despite being in a recession. So um, I don't agree with court packing. I think that the nine justices are necessary. It's important that one of them, the chief, casts a tie-breaking vote, and I think it's necessary to uphold that part of our Constitution. Um, As for the other issues, you talk about the environment, you talk about health care. I think... I, again, I didn't have much time to briefly read over this, and it's something I'll definitely touch back on in future episodes, but I do believe that Trump has a plan for pre-existing conditions. I think he said it multiple times, but I think he hasn't been entirely clear with the people, as clear as he should be, about his plan for health care with um, people with pre-existing conditions. I think, you know, uh, Pence said what all he really could say with all the information he had and all the admission he was, or all the information he was willing to give out, I think that was again one of Harris's strong parts was healthcare. As for abortion, um, you know, pro-choice, pro-life. I'm personally pro-choice. You know, I think it's an inherently liberty-based value, and this is obviously going to warrant some debate, which I'm totally open to. 
Um, I think it's personally the woman's choice what she does with her body. I'm a funda I fundamentally respect that. Um, so, but I still think that Pence presented his viewpoint in a way that was respectable. Was respectful. The vibe I got off him was like, yeah, I'm pro-life. You know, we'll disagree on it, but that's what I am. You can disagree. You know, I feel like he kind of presented a way that was more mellow. As for the demeanors, I really didn't. I didn't see issue with either of the the two people's demeanors. You know, I thought. You know, Kamala Harris said that. Uh, you know, let's take a history lesson, and I'm talking. And Pence definitely did interrupt and did use his time. But I think with regards to the time thing, I think, well, first of all, it was way better than the presidential debate when it comes to that. And I think it was yeah. it was definitely a, a, a debate that adhered way more strictly to the rules, which is excellent. Um, but I think when it comes to Pence using his time, I thought that was a political, uh, pretty smart political move because honestly, yeah, the commission's rules didn't state, they only stated the topics that would be discussed and the time limits that would be enforced. And both of them went over a little bit. Pence maybe went over a little bit more. But with those few seconds that he went over, he, I think, concluded his ideas very impactfully. He wrapped them up strongly to finish his thought. And with the few seconds, because he admitted in the debate, he said, I'm going to use a little bit of my time to touch back. I think that really hurt Harris in the debate. And that's why I haven't personally seen a lot of posts with the exception of the fly post which is obvious gonna be, it's gonna be that's gonna be a meme for like years you know that's why i haven't seen a lot of posts about her making seriously decisive points i've only seen like the i'm talking mike and things like that i think the two showed a very strong mutual respect for each other that's what we need in this country but other than that i think pence really really took it home for me because harris refused to answer the she really refused she of course, she stated the, the her current fracking position, but when Pence was uh, um, going on what how the situation has changed, how the stance has changed, I think that's a politically damaging blow. You see that with the AOC tweet response. I think when he said, uh, when he mentioned the Outdoors Act for Trump, maybe he uh, attracted a little bit of awareness towards Trump. Maybe he doesn't. Granted, Trump's policy on the environment and climate change, I don't personally agree with. I don't think fundamentally that the environment should be regulated to the point where it infringes directly on the economy but it is clear and evident that man mankind as a whole has a part to play in climate change it's a clear scientifically backed thing and i think trump to ignore it and say that the science lies is wrong so i think pence exactly definitely did the, i think if trump were up there he might have totally failed on those questions but i think pence provided a very solid defense when it came to that um, as for the fracking stance, she fluctuated a little bit. Well, she definitely, she definitively stated that I'm going to say this, you know, partially, that she definitively stated that they were against fracking, but she refused to acknowledge the change in stance, and that's not something that goes over well in politics. She refused to acknowledge the court packing thing. So all in all, while I think it was a very respectful debate, I think everyone can have their opinions on the stances. I think that Pence was he used his time well. He attacked her and kind of. You know, pushed her back a little bit more than she did him, policy-wise, obviously. Maybe not, you know, uh, character-wise, I guess, because he was more uh, informal and, and polite. And I think the ending of the vice presidential debate has really you know, substantial weight here. You know, both of them, um, when asked about the, you know, how, from an eighth grader, I believe, said, you know, it's important that we have nonpartisan ideas, you know, so that we can benefit the country as a whole. Pence 
championed that, you know? And what Harris did, which I don't agree with, is she went to Biden, you know? So I feel like that's directly conflicting with what the aim of the letter was. So all in all, we'll have our disagreements about that. But policy-wise, I don't agree with Pence entirely, you know? So as so not to drone on, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of reflect on what I'm saying and provide contradictions and whatever you feel. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, this was a very respectful debate. I mean, there wasn't, like, any, like, big fuzz, like, compared to that presidential debate. Mm -hmm. But for, I actually really respect Pence for his uh, choice to say that he's um, pro-life. Like, the way he said it was just so respectful. And honestly, I'm pro-choice, but, like, that he couldn't have said it better for himself, to be honest. Like, and then... Yeah, that's about it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. So um, I'm really happy you could come on. And again, this whole the whole point of this episode is to encourage that Daryl Davis thought and reinforce the final statement, the impactful statement of the of vice presidential debate was that we need more nonpartisanism. Partisanism. We need more thoughtful discussion. We need more. We need to talk about the race question. We need to talk about the question of the virus. We need to talk about how the media is represented. We need to be able to succinctly state our opinions without being afraid of, you know, without being afraid of getting fired from a job, for example, which you've seen. We've, we've definitely seen cases on both sides. So, so many. So many times. So I really thank you for coming on. I think you did an excellent job today as someone who's, you know, not even going into politics. I think you did an incredible job. So I really thank you for coming on today. And, you. you know, just stay tuned for more episodes, guys. And that's really it. Thanks a lot. If you have any closing statements, you know, or whatever you want to say, you know, go for it. Yeah, I just want to add that, like, you know, really, I think we should all respect each other's opinions. We should, like, sit down, have a talk, like, understand each other. Because currently in this country, we all know we're only bickering over things because we refuse to, like, understand the other side. Like, we got to look into it just like daryl davis like he sat down he's a black man sitting down with the kkk like that's just like crazy like if i were him i'd be like yo are they gonna kill me or like you know but like i really respect the fact that he sat down and i'm glad to be doing something similar to that you know when i first when you first told me back in like freshman year that you were a trump supporter i was like what is this guy saying mm -hmm. like you know i don't like trump you know he's really racist towards a lot of people especially asians calling it the china virus yep. which Really disgusting me, but like yep. but like just because like you support a one guy doesn't mean you like you are that guy you know like i i always like appreciate seeing like people from all um different standpoints and like i just i just love to understand like outside opinions you know it's just a pleasure to be on this and like talk to you because like Whenever I talk to like any other person, I'm like no, no, you're wrong. Oh, this or that, you know. I'm just glad to be able to have a respectful conversation. I, I just, I just want the world to like have this opportunity, you know, to like respect each other and like always love each other, no matter what. Like no matter if you're like all black, all lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter, no lives matter. Mm -hmm. Like you should all respect each other. And yeah, that's all I had to say. Hey guys, if you liked that episode, be sure to subscribe and check out my social media links in the description below for more content. Thanks again, fellas.